Liga. <laughs> wow. Okay. Technology. <laughs> Supposed to be better, but it doesn't seem to be. Um, all right. So with nervous excitement, <laughs> my name is Titus Peck. This is a podcast called Dynamically Melanated Gifted Artists. And I will be talking to people who are people of color who are in the fine arts. So I'll be talking to music teachers, maybe people who run um, music departments, uh, whether it be at a school or maybe in uh, the symphony or wherever it may be. I want to speak to actors, dancers, people of different genres who are performing um, semi-professional and professional people. And uh, let me just stop rambling on here. But today is a dear friend of mine, Nathan Stampley. I went to school with this guy. Um, he is super important in my life as far as why I continued to be a, uh, uh, continued to stay in the music field. Um, when I was in college, a freshman in college, being a clarinetist, um, there weren't a lot of people like me that looked like me around. So I just saw him and I thought, okay, there's at least one other person that is brown skin in the School of Music at the University of Wisconsin. So let me stick with this and see where this goes. So with further ado, Nate Stampley, thank you, thank you, thank you for being my first guest. Titus, <laughs> uh, brother, is. It's, it's a privilege to be your first guest, and it's an honor that you even asked, and I'm glad uh, this is going to work out. Yes, yes. Um, so this is, uh, since this is my first time doing this, this is, you know, we'll see how this goes. But um, how did you get into singing? Well, uh, my father is a pastor, and I grew up in... The Pentecostal Church, uh, the, in the Church of God in Christ specifically, okay. and uh, so I've always been singing in front of, well, in congregations and in front of congregations, uh, my entire life. I think probably since, maybe even before I was walking, I was probably singing in, in church. <laughs> okay. So it's very, very familiar, and uh, and but I will say, I'm never as good as my mom and her twin sister. So my mom is Carolyn Reynolds Stampley and her okay. twin sister is Catherine Folks. And man, they can, my whole life I've been trying to sing as well as both of them, so. Okay, wow, wow. I, I, I didn't know that your uh, mom was a twin. Wow, that's cool. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. So when it comes to singing, so let me just say this. So the audience can can get an idea of what I see when I first heard you. So I think when I first heard you, I think I might have been in high school at the summer music clinic. And I'm not sure if you were a counselor or if you were just like there. But <clears throat> I know that when you stepped out on stage, I was like, OK, this is going. First of all, I was excited because I'm like, ooh, somebody black on stage <laughs> <laughs> yeah there weren't a lot of us at the summer music clinic at, at uw campus for sure so i'm like okay somebody black on stage got the stage presence so this is going to be good 
whether it was good or not, it was like, there's somebody black on stage. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) But let me just say, when you opened your mouth and you started singing, I was like, oh, my God. Like, your voice was just absolutely breathtaking, amazing, goosebumps. And I just, I remember after you sang, I, uh, that was back in the days when we had like calling cards. So when I was at music mm-hmm. clinic, I'm like, let me call my mom. <laughs> That's right, like, because it was long distance calls. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, mom, there was this guy that just stepped on stage and he just sang and I don't know what he was singing, but it was just so amazing and I just couldn't oh, believe wow. it. So wow. it was, and it was, it was in that moment. And that was actually, yeah, before... I ended up going to Madison, I believe. And then I'm just like, wow, this guy is just absolutely amazing. And just for you to come out there and just, I think everybody gave you a standing ovation. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh. And you seem to be very humble about it, which was even more of a uh, great thing to see because it was like you were confident with the stage presence, but then there was just like a humbleness about it. So when you were performing and I just thought, oh my goodness, this is this dude is amazing. This he has a gift from God <laughs> for oh, sure wow. with that voice. So well, thank you, brother. I, I appreciate <laughs> these kind words. And I'll I'll Venmo you some money for these all these compliments. <laughs> <laughs> so with so with you singing in the church, you know there there are a lot of people that may say that they sing in the church or they actually have gotten their start in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you like outside of that, was it just, I'm just going to sing for the church and then that's it. Or did you think about pursuing, you know, like I actually want to be a professional opera singer or sing on Broadway or, or what was it? Yeah. Uh, great question. Uh, yeah. Growing up in church, you know, in our household, we really only listened to gospel music. Um, there were a few other um, musical influences, like there was Bob Marley was played in the house because um, my dad is uh, big into uh, black liberation and black nationalism. Um, okay. So, you know, and like Sweet Honey and the Rock and groups like that. Yeah. Um, so black empowerment music. But I... But but everything else was gospel. And so I didn't really think too much about really a, a career, per se, in, in music until I got to high school. And, you know, I, I went to Whitefish Bay High School um, mm-hmm. just uh, in one of the suburbs of Milwaukee. And at Whitefish Bay, uh, we had a wonderful music department. And it was really then and there that I was exposed. um, And I even went to middle school out there. But that's really when I was exposed to classical music. And um, long story short, I ended up auditioning when I was in high school for the chorus of Porgy and Bess, which is being performed uh, downtown Milwaukee at the PAC, which is now the market center. And the Florentine Opera Company, um, they were holding auditions and really they just, you know, they needed a lot of, you know, it's an all black cast and mm-hmm. 
they needed sing they needed singers and um somebody suggested that i audition and i did and i got it now it was really in that room that i realized like oh wow you know when we started rehearsals mm-hmm. that you know, I, I was you know i was one of the youngest performers on that stage and i thought and i was hearing these glorious baritone and and soprano voices and it was then i thought okay i could i think i want to do this like i i want to you know and it really was my um real um on hand uh uh, experience of, of being in that room that i thought oh man if it's possible because I saw these incredible artists from all around the world um, that came, you know, congregated in Milwaukee for this production. And mm-hmm. that's when that's when that real like love and joy of not just singing in church, but outside of church also really, really started to blossom. OK, yeah, I, I love Corgi and Bess, the music of it. Um, that was yeah. one of my grandmother's. Uh, there was a tape that she had of. Leonard Bernstein's American in Paris, and I think it was Porgy and Bess. And when she died, I didn't want anything else but some music that she listened to. And so, you know, it's something about just seeing a bunch of Black people singing just on stage, you know, especially with that one. And I remember my mom talking to me about Porgy and Bess, and she's like, you know, Mm no one but black people should sing this and it shouldn't be anybody else that that sings this particular production <laughs> <laughs> well you know the the gershwin estate they have it where um the opera can only be performed by by people of color okay and so um so that that part your mom was is is absolutely right on that for sure <laughs> <laughs> um so tell the tell the viewers where did you go to school? Who did you study with? What was that experience like? Yeah, so uh, I studied. Uh, I was a vocal performance major at University of Wisconsin Madison, and uh, I studied under uh, Professor Mimi Fulmer, who is mm-hmm. currently the head of the voice faculty um, at UW, and uh, it. It, it was great. I got to meet Mimi um, going to summer music clinic. Um, okay. <clears throat> and uh, I think the first time I met her, I was probably about 15 or 16 years old um, going to music clinic. And sometimes the faculty at UW, they also teach classes. Right. Um, and so I got a chance to meet her. And then I eventually ended up, you know, auditioning for the scholarships. And I really, you know, we really hit it off. Mm-hmm. And it, it was wonderful. Um, her forte was really into um, new music. Um, okay. And it was it was great. It really it really was great. Um, and then uh, I, and then after after college, um, I just started studying privately with uh, different teachers and having a lot of different coaches to work okay. on like specific material. Um, and then even now, there's still a teacher that I sort of do a tune up with uh, in New York. Um, he helps me out. So it's, uh, you know, when when you're in music professionally, no matter how good you are, everyone needs a tune up. 
and everyone needs to sort of recalibrate at times because whether it's from wear and tear or just uh, the material that you're doing or just making sure everything is lining up, you know, mm-hmm. from, the, from the greatest clarinetist or flautist to the uh, most incredible dancer, you know, mm-hmm. everyone, dancers actually always are in class. They, they continue to take class all of their right. professional career. Um, but the same, same for vocalists as well. Okay, cool, cool. So when you, I guess, left college, what was your, I guess, your first job, like professionally? What role was it? <clears throat> yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Um, okay. So in high school, um, as I mentioned, I was in that Florentine opera production of Porgy and Bess. Mm-hmm. But I also did um, three shows at the Skylight. At the time, it was called the Skylight Opera Theater. And now it's called Skylight Music Theater. Right. And um, those were my first professional shows, really. And, okay. uh, and you know, while I was still in high school, which still okay. blows people's minds. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, you can talk. That's, that's fine. You know, young. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I just think more about the, the scheduling of school and rehearsals and everything, you know. Right. It got right. a little tricky, but um, I managed. Uh, and then after after college, I really thought I was going to really pursue um a more classical uh, career and, mm-hmm. and really doing uh, opera and oratorio and art song kind of a thing. And uh, I was feeling a little burnt out after my undergrad years. And um, I spent some time in Senegal, West Africa with my father. And I we I got back to the States and I, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, and then, um, my friend, a friend of mine, Jamie Schmidt, he was doing, uh, he was music directing, um, lost in the stars at UW and he was a conducting, uh, student and working on his graduate work. And I went in and, uh, you know, they hired me for the role of, uh, Stephen Kumalo. And then that's when I realized, like, nah, I need to, I, I definitely need to perform. And even okay. if it's not operatically, I just need to be on stage. And uh, and then I started uh, with my sister. Uh, we took some auditions down here in Chicago. And mm-hmm. I went ahead and, and just uh, kept auditioning. And then my first real break was uh, the, uh, the show called Violet which was at Apple Tree Theater, which no longer exists. Um, mm-hmm. And that was my that was my big break here in Chicago. And literally, you know, that was, as I joke with my kids, that was way back in the 1900s. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that, was in the, that was in the 90s. Okay. And I really, I really haven't stopped working ever since. Um, I was wow. crazy enough. I was crazy enough, Titus, to move from... Milwaukee to Chicago with six weeks of work and I signed a lease and and I haven't been working ever since. Wow. That is that's some faith right there. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, a lot of people thought I was absolutely crazy. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I really, you know, I really, you know, took a chance on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't married. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have, you know, it was just me. And I always thought, well, you know, I can always get some food somewhere. My biggest thing was just paying rent. Like, as long as I can make my monthly rent, I'll be fine. And right. if I have to miss some meals, I just have to miss some meals. But that really taught me a lot about just fortitude and perseverance and that if you make yourself available, then it's like the universe and the ancestors and and, and God will, 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 will open doors that you don't even know exist for you. Um, but you have to you have to be willing to go 100 percent. OK, and so that, that show Violet, that really was it put me on a lot of people's radar um, in Chicago. And uh, it really changed the trajectory of my career. Okay, wow. So, yeah. Lost in the Stars. Who who wrote that? Was that Kurt Vile? Yep, yep. I think I actually played for that show. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you played for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is Kurt Vile. Because that yeah. was in the. Um, was that, that in music the? Music hall. Uh, yes, I played for that. <laughs> Yes, yes. I, <laughs> I was in the pit for that because I remember that was one of my first uh, like pit gigs and Professor Bartley or somebody was like, hey, we need clarinetists for this show. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know if I either signed up for it or if it was assigned to me, but I remember playing for that show because I'm like, oh, I can be in the pit. Yeah, and <laughs> And, you know, it, it really was also one of these things where, you know, I thought it's like vocally where what I was good for. A lot of the material that I was, you know, a lot of the arias and roles I was learning, they were great, but I was still in my early 20s. And mm-hmm. my voice really wasn't really grown, had, hadn't grown into those roles yet. Mm-hmm. Versus in musical theater, hey, if, you got the notes you could be the lead of that show tomorrow right and right. whether you're you know 16 17 years old or or 50 or 60 years old like if right if you got the notes and the chops for it then and and so that was a, a different shift of of uh of my mind that i thought oh man i could actually make a career this like right now versus waiting another decade to like grow into some of these roles and uh and I, I'm grateful I, I, I kind of I made that decision. So as you're I, I hear you talking like about shows, Broadway shows versus like opera. Was there ever a point where you felt that? Um, let me see, how do I ask this question? Like one would be better than the other or are you just at a point where it's like I'm looking for a job, whatever's going to, you know, pay the rent, you know, the rent. Um, did you have, did you personally have a preference or has it shifted? Cause you know, sometimes, you know, our, our thinking shifts as we get older, you yeah. know, and as life happens and it's just, you know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a matter of, uh, like at the time it really was whatever was available to me. Um, and so musical theater 
uh, really took a lot more interest in me than anything else. And so, as I mentioned before, like I was able to, you know, be a principal or understudy these principles right away mm -hmm. um, in some of these shows. And and now it's, it's just a matter of really like vocally staying healthy. Mm -hmm. And um, I still I still on occasion do um, uh, some classical music and uh, mm -hmm. oratorio or, you know, even like concert work. Um, and so it, it's just a matter of scheduling at this point. Okay. So it's like if I can if I know I have a, a symphony gig that is a year or two out, then I know previous, you know, you know, maybe a half year, or even a full year ahead of time, I can start working on that repertoire and also making sure that I can really stay healthy and that mm -hmm. if any of my musical theater stuff is surrounding that gig, I just make sure that it's a healthy sing for me versus like something really hard. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that would be a lot of wear and tear on the voice. Um, so yeah, so I you know I I'm I'm one of the well there are actually a lot of people that that kind of dibble and dabble in in all worlds uh, musical okay. and and you know and it and I'll just be honest like for a lot of black people a lot of black artists it's what we all have to do you right. know it's it, you know sometimes people aren't gonna initially think of us as uh, a Mozart expert or. And, and so you're going to, so are you going to not eat or are you going to do something else? <laughs> I'm going to do something else. Like I'm going to maybe teach some workshops. Maybe I'm going to, um, you know, get into TV and film. Maybe I'm going to get into, you know, uh, do some R and B singing, sing background mm -hmm. or, 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 you know, so it, it's a little bit of everything that can make an entire career, but you know, it, the days of solely being any any one thing, those days are over. Those days, <laughs> okay. those you know, those days are over. And and if you're in classical music, you now are gonna have to jump into the musical theater world. And right. if you're in musical theater, you're gonna jump into the pop world a little bit. Um, right. And if you're in the pop world, you, you know you're gonna expand the different genres of music you're into. So mm -hmm. we all are. We all are capable of a lot more than what we um, initially set out to do. Okay. Okay. So when you're auditioning um, for a role, what, so what is that process? Is that a thing of like, do you have to know the music? I mean, do you have to know the music beforehand? Is this like, I'm going to go in and do a monologue? You know, what, what is that process like? Yeah, uh, great, great question. So yeah, so so for auditions, it, everything depends on what it is. So mm -hmm. if you're auditioning, say for a young artist program or for an opera company, if they're having um, open auditions, you know, you're gonna have your five arias that you could just sing, you know, in your sleep. And, uh -huh. uh, and, and they're gonna pick and choose maybe one or two of those. Um, if you're doing musical theater, mm -hmm. you're going to have a book of, I don't know, maybe between maybe 20 songs that you could kind of sing in your sleep. Wow. Okay. 
And then those songs, and, and really even in that 20, I'm saying 20, um, because sometimes I look at my, my binder and it, it little, I have like two binders and they're about three inches, four inches thick. And, uh, and it depends on the style of, of the show itself or the season you're auditioning for. So say, for instance, if you're auditioning, if you know a, uh, a regional theater is going to do a show like, I'll just say Grease, just mm-hmm. something out there. Well, you're not going to go in there singing something that's really legit or something that is a little more classically based. Okay. Um, you're going to sing something that has like a little bit more pop sounding and that mm-hmm. you know sounds a little more current. So if you're doing that, um, and then they might ask for something else. They might ask okay. for if you if you sing an up tempo, they might ask for a ballad, um, or uh, and if it's a comedic show, you want to show some comedy. So it it really just depends. But and then sometimes there's just an open call for the whole season okay. for theaters, and then you'll just go in and 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 do whatever is the best thing that you do okay and then later on sometimes in callbacks they will then give you some material which we call sides and you'll get maybe it's a piece of a song or maybe an entire song to learn Hmm. and then maybe a scene or two from that show um obviously if it's a brand new show that hasn't existed before you just want to try to find out well what's the style of music like is it blues is it gospel? Is mm-hmm. it pop? Is it like hip hop? Is it more classically based? You want to show off those kind of skills in a in a in an audition like that where the music doesn't exist yet. Um, okay, because they want to see. Oh, okay. Oh, I can work with him. I can work with her. Right. Um, right. And then you know, and then the other way is to just sometimes you get a phone call like, "Hey, are you free?" These this date, da 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 da, and you know mm-hmm. you talk with your, with your agents, and then you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm available, yeah, or, you know, because sometimes you want to work at that theater, sometimes you want to work with uh, that director, sometimes okay. you want to do that particular piece that you've never done before, okay. and uh, and then other times you you know you just want to just stretch yourself, like I, I don't know what this is, so I'm gonna just. <laughs> You know, just go for right. it, you know, like new right. experiences because, you know, and, and I and I offer this to definitely younger artists because you're still trying to figure out how things go. Mm-hmm. Just do it all, like say yes to all of it and you'll find out, OK, I'm not good at that at all or I'm amazing <laughs> at that. And I never knew that. But okay. if you never try, you will never find out any of those answers. OK, OK. Yeah. Um. So when you get a job, um, how long is a run for a show or does it depend? You know, what is the after the initial, I guess, uh, audition process? Like, what is the spacing and time as far as like you got the job and now we're getting ready to start? Yeah, uh, so it it really it really depends. So, for instance, I had an audition for something that was three months ago. And generally, like you, you're going to find out within a week or two, two is, mm-hmm. is kind of late. 
but you'll mm. know sometimes within a matter of days okay. if you booked a particular gig. This one I found out three months later. Well, at that point, my train has left the station. I'm I'm <laughs> on to the next thing. So I'm sorry, I'm not available anymore. Right. You know, I'm not I'm not sitting around waiting on y'all's decision, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and so there are times where um, there are auditions for things that are months away. Mm-hmm. There are sometimes there are auditions for things that are literally weeks away. Okay. Um, and, and in those instances, sometimes you, you're replacing somebody or somebody had it before and okay. now they got another gig. And so now they're scrambling to get somebody else. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it, it just, it, it really varies. And then sometimes, um, you're months away, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you could be three or four months away. Um, and, and sometimes that can be the case for, uh, for Broadway shows where, okay. you know, you, you audition and maybe it's like, you know, rehearsals begin like two months out or three months okay. out. Um, okay. And that, you know, that's always so. So in theater, that's always like the, you know, the high benchmark is to, you know, to be in a Broadway show. And if you can originate a role in a Broadway show, that's that's pretty that, that's amazing. That's amazing. Because okay. not everybody gets to do that. Not everybody gets to do that. OK. OK. Um, when you are, I guess, maybe auditioning for a role or choosing or maybe let's say you have a a choice uh, of what you want to audition for. Do you have any like non-negotiables? Like I'm not doing this. Like, do you have a contract of like, I'll do this, but I'm not doing that. I'll, you know, I have to have this, but this is not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, it, it is it, I mean, all, is it, and is it a personal, I mean, I'm sure everybody's different. You know, some yeah, people it, are, yeah. like, I'll do anything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really is personal. So, so it's a matter of, you know, you have to really, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and just say, okay, will I do a gig if they ask me to be completely nude? Will I do a gig if the pay isn't great, but um, I'll get a lot of exposure or, mm-hmm. you know, um, this is a high profile piece. Um Will I do this gig if the N word is in it? Mm-hmm. Will I do this gig um, if uh, you know it's a controversial topic? You know, like all of those things, you have to sit down with yourself, and you know, some of those things. That answer for me now is very different than what it was thirty years ago. Okay, um, and so I think previously I probably would have easily done a show with nudity or something like that. Now that I have, I'm married and have two kids, I'm not too <laughs> right. crazy. And with technology, the way things are with phones and everything, <laughs> I, I'm not so interested in, in uh, having my kids Google images of me or, or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need that trauma. No, no. <laughs> No, no, no. So it's like so. So there are all all of these things you're negotiating, and then um, and and because I'm I'm a member of a proud member of Actors Equity Association, which is our our union, 
and mm-hmm. I'm also a proud member of SAG after as well. Um, mm-hmm. There are some things that are in place that, um, you know, like minimal pay, um, work hours, like those kind of things are like already set before I okay. agree or, or don't agree to things. And then there are other things that, you know, sometimes it's like, uh, for for me, d- definitely like the n- nudity is one is is one really big thing, mm-hmm. and then and then you know I have to look at the entire script and see like what's really happening in the show, right? Um, because you know is this is something that I'm sure you manage and many of the art, other artists that you're gonna um, interview uh, throughout this podcast season is that as a as a black artist, I know that I'm not simply just representing myself. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important for me that black people are shown in a in a great light right. at all times. Because right. the other stuff is are is already there, will already be taken <laughs> care of. You know, the, news, yes. the news and other things are gonna slant and for clickbait and other things um, and, and gonna present us a certain way. So my my charter, if you will, is to make sure I present myself in a great way. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so there are definitely some roles that I've turned down that would have done very well in my pocket. Uh, <laughs> would have, you know, my accountant, uh, you know, would be very happy with that. But I, <laughs> I, I had to just turn down because it goes against a lot of my personal principles of okay. of who we are as black people and how I want to represent us as black as a black person. Now I know that isn't everybody's mission, right? To, to you know in our in our art to always be uplifting for the race and all of that. Like I understand I understand that because that's right. a lot to put on people's shoulders. Right. But it is my personal mission, right? And so I'm not asking all artists to do that. But right. you can't ask me to do any and everything in this black skin. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Appreciate that. I love that answer. I love that answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes to your family and with the job that you have as being a performer, you know, that requires you to travel to different, you know, different parts of the world and you're being away from your family, kids, things like that. How do you... How do you handle that? Because I've always been curious about, you know, I know that people have families and I know that people, you know, you may be in Broadway or on a show, but your spouse, partner may not be. And then if you have children, it's like, okay, well, how does that work? You know, so if you could explain, you know, how do you handle that? Yeah, well, the the first thing is um, I met my wife on a show. We okay. were... We were we were both in the uh, fir- first on the uh, the first national tour of the Lion King, so okay. this was the first time the show had ever toured, um, and so that helps that she's <laughs> an artist, you know, like like right. knowing what the demands are of traveling, right? Um, what the eight shows a week schedule is like for Broadway shows, um, and the temperament of another artist. Um, she mm-hmm. comes from the dance world, you know, the mod- modern dance world. And uh, so first and foremost, I'll always say it's important to have the right partner. Mm-hmm. Um, 
whether he or she is in the business or not. Like if if you all can continue to communicate um, and you're going to find out, OK, what are the weeks, the number of weeks we can be apart? Right. And that if that extra week is a deal breaker or not, you know, um, right. And so you, right. you have to, you know, all that stuff is has to be negotiated and and discussed ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for every artist, it is very different. Like some people is like they can't go a week without seeing their partner. And mm-hmm. for others, it's it could be several weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's really important. And and also another thing to keep in mind is that you're not reinventing the wheel. So there are there have been generations of artists that have had kids and have right. raised kids on the road right. or have been apart from their families for years and ye- for generations. Right. So it's not that, you know, my wife and I, um, Lynette, um, God bless her. She's she's just amazing. Um, <laughs> it's not that we're doing any anything new or novel like it has mm-hmm. been done successfully mm-hmm. as well right um and then you know just really trying to connect uh, you know things technology has improved so you know like we were joking about calling cards before like right. you know now it isn't that at all like i you literally just a phone like you can pick up your phone and see your your children or see mm-hmm. your spouse or partner mm-hmm. uh, within a matter of seconds and, mm-hmm. and, and take and show them backstage or show them your dressing room, uh, you know, show them right. the hotel room. And right. it's important that not only do, you know, do I go home, but then also they come to me as well. So okay. um, I'm currently on the road right now uh, in Chicago and my family was just here. Mm-hmm. And we we had uh, you know great weeks together, which is great. Mm-hmm. But now school is starting, yeah. And so you know that we all are negotiating that uh, for the kids. School start uh, you know soon, and so now they, I I'm adjusting to their schedules now. So, mm-hmm. so now they're not available all day that I have the day <laughs> free, and now right. at night when I'm doing a the show, they're free. So right. you know it's, it's a lot of a, right. a lot of negotiating and you're, you know, not everyone's going to get it right. And mm-hmm. so just know that there is a learning curve. And as your family continues to evolve and grow, um, you continue to grow as a person and that maybe there are some things that have changed and you got to deal with change and, and, uh, and adjust accordingly. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, so what has been, I mean, this is a very broad what has been your experience being a black man, Broadway, doing what you do? Um, you know, have there been some moments where you're just, you know, the process wasn't so great or the moments weren't so great as far as like either the audition or somebody you've worked with because of maybe the color of your skin or maybe because you're a man? I, you know, I don't know. Um, what, what, what has that been like? Well, you know, it is a um, it isn't a set thing, mm-hmm. so it's constantly evolving. Okay. So you know, we we all know society has taken a, a monumental shift in the last couple of years, simply because we were on the the great pause of of, of uh, you know COVID nineteen, 
Right. And um, and it was a reflective period. And so things that happened early in my career just wouldn't be tolerated nowadays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, uh, like, for instance, there, I was going to uh, now I'm a headliner of this concert coming up. Okay. I was in the, the great state of North Carolina and um, I was singing with a soprano and we had our accompanist with us. And, you know, I have my my tux in in my garment bag and we are approaching the stage door and the two of them, uh, they're white. They go in. No problem. They stop me at the door and they say, can we help you? I said, oh, wow, this is this is really deep. Uh, and I was like, yeah, you can you can help me by opening the door and right. let me do my concert tonight. Oh, right. are you with them? Yes, I am. Oh, 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 sorry. And so, you know, it, there are all these like microaggression and, and things that happen all the time that we are um, negotiating. And is it fair? No. But I right. try to remind my children every day, life is not fair. Mm-hmm. Life is not fair. So let's just take that off the table. You know, like, and so because of that, I have to treat each instance as, you know, for what it is. Um, you know, I've had many instances of, you know, traveling and being out of town and being followed by police officers. And even, mm-hmm. you know, being pulled over um, for, for no apparent reason, just wanting to ask, where am I, where am I going and what am I doing? Right. Um, and so, you know, these are things that we are dealing with as black people every day in this country. Right. Then you add the a, a performer or the artistic level of that. And it, it you know, sometimes it is it, it can be a little frustrating. Um you know, where you're working on material that most, you know, audiences aren't used to seeing black people perform. And that's, that can be jarring for audiences, but that's their problem, not mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's their problem. You know, my, my thing is like, I'm going to come with my best. Right. And now whether you like that or not, that's up to you. But don't prejudge what I'm doing before I even open my mouth. Right. You know, um, but it's also the flip side of that is I know that every time I step foot on stage, I'm standing on the shoulders of people that did not have that opportunity. Yeah. And so I don't take it for granted. Um, any, Especially any time I'm, I'm in front of a, of a, of a full orchestra, mm-hmm. um, I try to treat the material with respect. Right. Uh, you know, uh, the concert master, uh, second chair, like everybody with absolute respect, because I also demand that from them. Right. Um, and um, so it's like I, I know this is a long rambling answer, but it it can it can really get to you sometimes. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to have outlets of, you know, for me, it's like going to the gym or writing. Mm-hmm. Um, always checking in with my wife, um, mm-hmm. 
like did i did i misinterpret this or like yeah. did this really just happen you know <laughs> right, uh, right you know and, and and you know and hopefully sometimes there are other black artists that you're working with right uh, because there is strength and safety in numbers uh, on mm -hmm. many occasions and so mm -hmm. i'm i'm grateful that sometimes i've been the only one and i know you've experienced that too um yeah. In, in many venues and, and concerts and, you know, where the classical music or even musical theater. But I also know that wherever I am, I am going to stick out. And so I have to be mindful of that. And so those are things that my white counterparts don't really have to deal with on occasion. Sometimes right. they do, but a right. lot of times they don't have to. So it's like I'm dealing we're dealing with that and we got to come with the heat when we're performing. Like we got to yeah. bring the goods yeah. to the table, and yeah. so you know that's something that a lot of a lot of our white counterparts don't have to deal with, and and that's that's cool. Like it, it don't have to be fair, but now we're at a point now where we have the um, the channels mm -hmm. to voice some of these things now. Because yep. before it's like, oh, get over it, or, or, that, or that's just how he conducts, or that's just how he is. It's like, no, now it's like, excuse me. Right. <laughs> exactly. You're actually not going to talk to me like that. Right. And, <laughs> and you know, or, it, you know, and, and especially, oh my gosh, like if you're dealing with black music mm -hmm. and black composers or, or something oh, yeah. really close to home for us and, and yeah. our culture, yeah. in a, in a more classical setting or even in a, a show setting, mm -hmm. uh, nah, nah, nah. You, you are going to listen to what right. I have to offer. Like you're not <laughs> going to come in as the expert just because you're on the podium. No, no, no. I, I, I've lived this experience. I can tell you a thing or two. We have first firsthand experience. With firsthand <laughs> experience. I, I, I didn't need to, you know, I didn't, I didn't get this from a musicology course or anything <laughs> like that. Like this, <laughs> that is so true that is that is so true i yeah. when you speak about that i i always think about the time that the orchestra at uw went to europe and randy swiggum was the uh, assistant conductor at the time mm -hmm. and i know i think i was the only yeah i was the only black one in the orchestra and i just raised my hand and i said hey so what are the European people going to think about me? Because I don't look like the rest of y'all <laughs> around here, you know, and people were laughing and I, you know, and I wasn't offended because, you know, people that were close to me, they, these are things that I would talk about. And I say, Hey, you know what? You don't have to worry about that. Right. I do. I'm not saying that this is at the forefront of my, my brain of thinking, but I'm going to another country and I don't know, what they're going to think. I know what history has shown us and I've read in books as far as the Harlem Renaissance and a lot of black people went over there to, you know, have their art appreciated. And I get that. Understand that. I know about that. But, you know, like you said, the 90s, different time. I'm yeah. the only one in the orchestra that's black, you know, and then to get over there and then actually experience it firsthand. And I was like, See, I wouldn't try to go there, but clearly they have shown <laughs> themselves to be, you know, who they are, unfortunately. And, you know, and it was just a thing of where I told my friends, I said, see, this is what I'm saying. Y'all don't have to think about this. 
this is unfortunately a part of our our DNA in a way, you know, because we go about our day, you know, going from point A to point B and we experience micro macroaggressions, whatever it may be. And then we just keep it moving. You know, we deal with it. We deal with it the way that we we have to or we need to deal with it. And then we move on. But they were just like, oh, my God, I can't believe that this happened. And I'm like, well, I'm not shocked, but it's unfortunate that I came all the way over here. But, <laughs> you know, I could deal with I know what racism right. to deal with in my country, but I wasn't expecting it here. So, yeah, it's just. Yeah, I, yeah. I get it. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, it's it's it really it really it really is deep, and uh, you know it, and and so I'm grateful that at least we are willing to shine a light on places that really need it. Yeah, more and more, and yeah. now whether society is fully ready for for some of these, um, these areas of being exposed, not really. Right. <laughs> but but that's OK. That's OK. Right. Like most times, you know, like change is not comfortable. Like change is uncomfortable for everybody. Like it's mm. not it's not fun for for artists to to have to travel to other countries and worry. Am I going to get called the N word Am I or, or whatever the N word is equivalent in that language? Um, is the management going to treat me the same as everybody else? Um, are the donors that are there, are they going to treat me funny or, or Mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, that's not fun for artists to have to deal with. Um, but it's, it's the reality. Um, and, and so, you know, some people are up for the task and other, some people are just ready to go to war. Right. Like (laughs) I respect that too. I I respect it. I really do. But at the end of the day, what what are we trying to accomplish? Like, are you trying to finish this concert? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to f- finish the run of this opera or 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 or, uh, or musical show that you're doing? Or are you here to simply expose things? Or maybe you're there to do all of them. Who knows? But it isn't it you know because we have to take each thing as it comes because there is no one answer fits all. Right. But one thing is for sure, though, um, communication is really important. Mm -hmm. And the less that we have to shoulder only by ourselves, the -hmm. better for everybody. Like if we can offload some of that stuff onto producers and management and other institutions and organizations versus you and I just carrying all this angst and and worry and rage with us wherever we go. Like that's not, it's not really, uh, you know, appropriate for us and, or healthy or healthy because after a while you're going to wear out. Yeah. It's very energy draining. Yeah. 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 But you you know, know, but, but then you also realize, okay, so many people have dealt with these issues that were way harder than what some of the things we're dealing with. That's true. You know, too. Yeah. Like we literally are able to perform on some of these stages now that were absolutely closed to us. Yeah. And some of these private clubs or private institutions that now have people of color, color in there, in their membership. And, and, and now you're entertaining them. What's that? 
and not just a, as a worker and a server. And not just, yeah, and not just, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and so again, I go back to, you know, being an ambassador for mm -hmm. our people wherever I go. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't take that lightly because I also know that, you know, I want to make it easier for that next black girl or black boy that wants to perform uh, in a non quote unquote non-traditional way or, or show or role or institution. Mm -hmm. I want it to be easier for people to think of someone being able to do that, someone that doesn't or historically ha has been in that role or that place make it easier for him or her to to walk through the door without any issues whatsoever that right. all we're being judged by is what we are able to do far as performance wise yeah you, you got the chops hey come on in you're right if you don't right. keep practicing you know <laughs> yeah. right exactly <laughs> um so who are who inspires you? Who has who currently inspires you? Who has inspired you? What what keeps you keeps you going? What keeps you in this? Wanting oh, to man. Oh, wow. There's there's so many people. Um there's uh James Baldwin is uh, a really big inspiration. Um you're talking about like a supreme artist. Mm-hmm that chose to change his art for our people and like to really dig a little bit more into politics mm -hmm. than he pro if he were anyone else, I think he would just have created amazing art and the art would just speak for itself. But okay. he created art that speaks for itself and it spoke to our situation as black people. Right. Um, especially here in America. Um, and yeah, at a time where it would be, it would have been very convenient and easy for him to, uh, mm -hmm. to not do that and not express himself and express our, our pains. Um, you know, there's Paul Robeson. Um, okay. You're talking about an absolute giant that, that he's somebody that James Baldwin looked up to. Like he's somebody that a lot, most of the people that we revere, um 50 years ago they revered him like he was the absolute artist he was in circles that you know many of us in in entertainment still have yet to to reach in, in the heights that he did like he was arguably the most popular and famous artist in the world at one point in time right and he stood up for our people and oppressed people all over the world and his career mm -hmm. suffered for it. Um, right. The end of his life, but, uh, a, a absolute giant. Um, there's Brian Stokes Mitchell who's a wonderful, uh, artist, actor, singer, and person. Mm -hmm. His wife is from Milwaukee. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Allison, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, who, so, so many people, there's LaChance who is, uh, <clears throat> Uh, a Tony Award-winning producer and actor now. Okay. Um, uh, there's Audra McDonald. There's oh man, Alton Fitzgerald White, who's a dear friend of mine. There's so many people I really, really look up to and and just admire from yesteryear and and still today. And still okay. Today. 
Okay. That's that's good. That's that's good to hear. It's good to hear those names being put out there because, you know, we out here working and we just yes. inspire each other. You know, yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then, you know, and then there's there's also just like people from many different genres, like you know, in 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 dance and and poetry and you know, it it just you know if if you can really reach out and expand your 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 view there's so mm-hmm. much that can stimulate you mm-hmm. personally and professionally mm-hmm. you know like i i i always think about the Mar- the marcellus family uh-huh like the like all of them all of them right. from dad right. on down you <laughs> right. know you just like man what a family <laughs> right you right. know that you know he was like pops was straight up jazz Mm-hmm. Well, all the kids, kid, they were straddling, straddling both both worlds in classical yeah. music, concert work, and yeah. in jazz, and in yeah. blues, and, and yeah. just black music. Period. Yeah, you know, like Branford Marsalis doing like hip hop stuff and doing yeah. stuff with Sting, <laughs> and you know, and then there's Winton, like you know, doing Pulitzer Prize winning concertos and and oratorial yeah. work. And yeah. still doing blues stuff from New Orleans, and and everything you know soundtrack. So it's like, oh man, I mean, that that's a great family. That I I don't know yeah. if they really get their due, and uh, how inspiring they are to to many of us, and what yeah. they've truly accomplished as a family unit is is that is true. That is true. Years ago, I saw them. They came to the Kennedy Center. I think it was Brent Branford, Winton. Um, the brother that plays the trombone, I believe, I forget his mm-hmm. name, um, and him just alone, because he was not like, he was never one that I remember being at the forefront, but uh-huh. in this concert, he was kind of in the forefront, and Nate, I've never heard anyone whistle, like oh, seriously, wow. just, like he just got up there just very calmly, Mike in front of him, and just did this whole like, jazz whistling situation and i'm like i love it i love it i love it i I was just like this is amazing (laughs) then he played the trombone and then he go back to whistling play the trombone some more and i'm like i love this is you know and he was and he was just you know in the background doing his thing he was amazing in everything they did but when he came up to the front and i'm like wow okay Who would have thought? And, yeah, and and I I think that's that's the thing that I I really admire about them is like their skill set is second to none, in yeah. what they do. You know, whether yep. it's on the sax, trumpet, trombone, drums, piano, like it's second to none. And let alone their knowledge, the history of of jazz and music theory, and just all of it. Like they are second to none. But to me, one of the great things about them is that they just expand everything that they do. Yeah. So they don't just limit themselves in one particular thing. Like they do it all. Yeah. And, and not everybody that not everybody's happy with that, but that's okay. Right. (laughs) That's okay. Like even within their family, they didn't always agree. Like Branford was, you know, he had, he, he's had recorded hip hop albums and recorded Mm -hmm. with hip hop artists. And when, hip hop was first starting like 
Winton was not a big fan of hip hop. Right. But right. you know, it's like, hey, it, it don't matter what your opinion is. I'm I'm right. doing the work. Like <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. I'm gonna do so, what I'm gonna do. You're gonna do what you're gonna do. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I I just I, I just I, I really, really do love and appreciate those brothers and um and their contributions to us as black people and all of us as artists and then to the world in general. Yeah. Who who and or how do you inspire other artists, young people or your age, older? Um, I've seen you do it because when I saw you at Sweeney Todd and the few people that came up to you and just wanted to like shake your hand and speak to you, you know, I just stood back and I was just like, yep, that's Nate. That's Nate. You know, just <laughs> because you're so you're so positive and just I was telling my mom, I'm like, there are certain people that are positive and then there are certain people that have like just a light about them. Mm-hmm. And it's only it's only a few people in my life that I personally know that are like that. And you were one of those people that, you know, I'm just standing back and I'm just amazed at how just natural, you know, you are when you were speaking to that, there was a young blonde girl, I believe. And there was a black man came up to yeah. you and they were just really, you know, they wanted to speak to you, you know, and they were like, sorry, I didn't mean it. And I'm like, not a problem. Speak to them because I know, I know what this means to you <laughs> as a, you know, as a young artist. So how do you, yeah. you know, how do you inspire, continue to, you know, stay positive and inspire people? Wow. Well, I, I, I know this is going to be a long answer, so I'm <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, it's two, it's, it's several fold. One, my parents are amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Carolyn Stampley and Dr. Nathaniel Stampley. I'm a junior. And okay. <laughs> uh, he, they both are just incredible people. Um, you know, I'm the oldest of six kids. Um, my mom is a retired Milwaukee public school teacher, middle school teacher. Bless and her. Bless her. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, you know, and my dad, you know, is a pastor. And there's always been a positivity in uh, a level of positivity in our house at all times. Even mm-hmm. when sometimes it's not even justified, mm-hmm. um, but there's always a positive word. Um, there's always uh, encouragement. Um, and my father, you know, to this day, if we talk or when when we speak, you know, he he will pretty much con- maybe about ninety eight percent of the time end with stay humble. <laughs> and, you know, and and it, you know, this is a message that has been with me for a very long, several decades now. Oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> that I'm finally like really internalizing. It's like, right. oh, I under- I I fully understand what he's saying because, um, the trappings of you know, when you perform, we're lucky enough that when we're done, people applaud. Sometimes they even are on their feet. And sometimes people want to meet you afterwards. Like that's not a that's not normal. Like that's you know that's not how most people spend their day. That after right. they finish something at work, that people are literally standing over them applauding an Excel <laughs> spreadsheet they just finished, or you know, or right. So you know, like that could that could get to your head and skew things for you personally. Um, but I, you know, but I 
so so I don't take that lightly and I appreciate, you know, when people like what I do. Um, but I also know that, you know, with that comes responsibility. And so I, you know, uh, like Maya Angelou, she has this quote, like, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's essentially like, you have to accept it all. So if you're going to accept praise, then you have to Mm -hmm. accept the negative stuff too. And so my thing is like, just to stay cordial with people. And I know some people don't like some of the things that I've done on stage. Mm-hmm. That's like that's that's fine. We all are entitled to our opinions, right. um, but I can't let what you think impact my life, right? You know, because we truly are entitled to our opinions. Mm-hmm. I'm not entitled to hear your opinion, <laughs> right? <laughs> you may feel you're entitled to share it, but I'm not entitled to hear it. You know, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right. So, so like the so there, there's that level of of. Uh, appreciation that I have um, from my parents because they really instilled in me that, you know, no, there's always a tomorrow. And even if things are dark and, and, and don't seem like there's any way out, there's always tomorrow. Like, and, and my dad, he always says, he's like, don't, don't say, oh, oh, how, how worse can it get? Like, it can always get even worse. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like there, there are lower places than what you think the bottom is. Right. So you just thank the creator for another opportunity to do something else or or come through this thing. Um, and then, I, you know, growing up in Milwaukee, I didn't I didn't rub shoulders with celebrities or, mm-hmm. or many people in in show business. So the few times that I ever did, um, that meant a lot to me. And mm-hmm. so I always remember that that childish side of me of going to see somebody at Summerfest or African World Festival and like just getting a glimpse of, glimpse of them backstage or like them going to the limo or someone like that was enough for me to just be inspired. Like, oh, man. Right. <laughs> and so you just think, you know, and, and it, it could have been like a gospel artist or anything like that. And man, when when I just remember that feeling of, oh man, I got to shake hands with Fred Hammond or, you know, I got to meet, you know, and that really meant something to me. Right. And so I, I am in no means on anybody's top A list of whatever level of celebrity, but I know that if people come to see me perform, if they get a chance to meet me afterwards, it could potentially mean something to them. I'm not saying it always does, because right. like I said, you know, I, I I know where I stand in the totem pole of, you know, <laughs> uh, or the hierarchy of, of, of things in the entertainment business. But right. I know that if, especially if I can meet a younger person and they get mm-hmm. inspired, they could easily become, be the next Idris Elba or Denzel Washington or Audra McDonald or Mm-hmm. You know, Andre Watt or, you know, anything like that. And and it's, it's wonderful, you know, Esperanza Spalding. Like, who knows? Right. And so I, I look back and, and I can point to like, oh, I remember that feeling when I went to a Kathleen Battle recital when I was in college. And, you know, I remember meeting William Warfield in college. Like, all of these are giants in the classical yeah. music world. And they meant yeah. so much to me meeting them. 
mm-hmm. that they kept me on my path. And so okay. if I can help somebody get on get on a path, let mm-hmm. alone stay on a path, oh man, <laughs> I'm, then I'm I'm doing my part because somebody did it for me. Right. And so so all of that is 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 in how I try to operate as an artist and meeting patrons or um, young people, especially young people after after shows. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, are your kids, are they interested? Are they in? Um, do they want to do what you and your wife do? Dance, sing? Yeah, so our, our daughter is a ballerina. Okay. Uh, she is entering her junior year of high school and she's quite accomplished. Uh, okay. She <laughs> performed uh, at Lincoln Center literally you know maybe a hundred times or so wow Um, okay and uh and so she's she's phenomenal and so she wants to pursue a career in ballet and so we're here here to support that uh our son and and she has some other educational uh endeavors she wants to pursue as well but but right now her sights are on ballet our our son he is a hockey player Okay. And, um, he is entering seventh grade and he loves hockey and he tells me he's going to play at the University of Wisconsin on the, on the Badgers oh, hockey oh. team. Like, all right. So, but <laughs> on his way to the NHL. Okay. <laughs> way, you know, uh, and so I, who am I to stop him with that? So I'm, I'm really happy for him. And uh, they both, have beautiful voices. They just don't mm-hmm. share them publicly. <laughs> and uh, and and our daughter, she gets her dancing from her incredible mother. Like I said, mm-hmm. my wife comes from the concert dance world, and she used to um, travel all over the world with dance companies, Ailey Two and Lisa Monte, and the different companies. Uh, and now she teaches uh, at a school, two schools. She teaches at the Alvin Ailey School. In New York, and then she also teaches uh, at a ballet tech, which is a uh, a public school for ballet. Okay, in New York, that's good. Thank you for telling me. So now that's another person in the family that I could interview. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh she 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 would be great. She would be great. Uh, she has such a great career. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Okay, that you know what that that is that's awesome to to. Uh, inspire your children, your, you and your wife, you know, they're doing what they're, you're, that you're supporting them and what it is that they have an interest in. So, yeah. and I know if things change, you're still going to support them. Cause that, you know, that, cause you, those are your children. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah cause you know, nobody's holding them to decisions, lifelong decisions at your junior year of high school or your seventh grade year of school. Like these aren't your final decisions of what you're going to do in life. Cause I'm sure like you, you know, our careers and, and ideas, you know, change and shift you know, based on what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Oh, what are you currently working on? Or future so I am, Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm currently in a production of Gypsy, which is playing uh, here at the Marriott Theater uh, here uh, just outside of Chicago. Okay. And um doing that and uh have a concert coming up october 15th um here at marriott um 
So I'm really excited about that. It's called Songs and Stories. So, okay, let me ask you that. It, so is this the yeah. first time you're doing like a concert, like you are the star star like that? No, no, I've, no, I've done a concert at, uh, I did a concert back at our, at our alma mater. At, okay. At, uh, oh, this yeah, was, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I did a, a concert there that, that my sister, Malkia, uh, she directed that okay. concert. We created that together. Um, so it's not, not my first time, uh, but this one is a little more tailor-made to, uh, to this theater. Um, and let's see, uh, I have a few, I have another concert coming up in Madison, uh, in March of 2024. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I have a few other projects I'm not at liberty to talk about at this time. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) But they are coming up, and they are very, very exciting, and I can't okay. wait for you to, uh, to find out what they are. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, when I saw when I saw your uh, the posting on Facebook with the, um, it was just the headshots, the still shots, and I'm like, oh, Nate, all right now. <laughs> I know that you're big, big time, but it was just something about it. I was like, okay, he is got the the orchestra backing him up, and it's just like all the little. <laughs> All the little clips and things, and I'm like, "Oh, this is exciting! I like this." Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, it's 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 really cool. It's really cool. I, you know, some, you know, you set goals for yourself, and um, and then you sometimes you overshoot those goals, mm-hmm. and and that's incredible when that happens. But I. I had a great conversation with our daughter and I was telling her, you know, overshoot the goals, whatever they are, because if you miss, then you'll hit another goal that you didn't even know was there. That's Um, true. Overshoot. Why not? not? That's true. Those doors were open. Those doors are open that you weren't expecting. Yeah, (laughs) sure. For sure. Because somebody somebody is watching you. Somebody's watching you and and they see who you are. So that's something that my mother... My mother uh, instilled in me when I first joined MISO and I walked in that room and I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and she said, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, you're good for your mom. Thank you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, you know, look, Carnegie Hall, European trip twice. I never, ever thought that those opportunities would come t- to me. I just mm-hmm. did. So, but, you know, I always thank my middle school band director, Robert K. Davies. That man saw something in me. He saw my enthusiasm and excitement. And he is, he, God put that man in my life for, for things to happen the way they are now. Cause he just saw something in me. And I was just this enthusiastic, like seventh grader playing the clarinet. And, yeah. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And so, yeah. It was all all because of him. That's wonderful. That's all wonderful. because of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it helps when people take an interest in you. Young. Yes, yes, yes. So, well, I am going to uh, end this, but this has been a pleasure. This has been an honor. This is. I'm definitely going to have you back on at some point again. Uh, I, I, would, I would love that. I would love that. I would love because to um, I am excited to see where this goes. 
to meet other people, meet other Black people, Latino, Indigenous, Asian, Native American, whoever um, that is doing their thing. And just, we got to get, we got to share our stories and we have to authentically share it coming from us and not having someone else tell a story of what they think it might be or their interpretation. So this is why I'm doing this. It's bringing me joy. You know, people talking to people like you, you know, this is just, it's just going to be an amazing thing, I feel. So I prayed to God. I'm like, God, put your hands on this because you know what my my uh, my journey is and why I want to do this. And so, yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Uh, well, I, like I said before, it's an honor to be your inaugural guest. I definitely <laughs> will help you uh, secure many more guests. And, um, and you know, and I'm, I'm proud of you, you know. I I was always happy, you know, you were talking about Music Clinic. When I saw you, you know, at Music Clinic with your clarinet, I was like, oh man, look at this young brother. I love it. I love it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> you know? And then, you know, just knowing, you know, your time at Madison was so successful and, you know, you've had a wonderful career performing and now, a, you know, an even more expansive career in, in teaching. And so, it, you know, I'm just really proud of you and and I want nothing but success for you. So in any way, if I can help that happen, I absolutely will. Oh, I look, I'll be calling you up, emailing you, texting you like, OK, let's line them up. Let's line them up. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, I got you. I, I got you. I got I, you. I am. Um, I'm just really excited and, and happy that uh, that I stepped out out of my comfort zone somewhat to do something like this. Cause yeah. you know, like the pandemic, the pandemic inspired a lot of us to do um, reflection and just thinking about, you know, just do a lot of thinking, that's all. And I like being by myself, but that was, you know, it's different, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 uh, I had to do this cause I'm like, this is something that, that, that I need to do. So, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> so, um, once again, this is Dynamically Melanated Gifted Artist. This is my first get, Nathan Stampley. I am Titus Peck. I am looking forward to uh, more guests being on my show. And um, thank you and good night to everybody. <laughs> yes. Let's see. In the session.